Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is Amy Elaine Martinez. Amy is on the show today talking about her book, Becoming a Victory Girl. After this episode, we pray you are more confident about your spiritual inheritance and spiritual identity and know who is really fighting your battles. As you battle to become who God made you to be and start believing in His Word, you will begin to see yourself as a victory girl. Hello, Amy Elaine, and welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Well, I am excited to be here with you, Rachel, so thank you so much. Your ministry is devoted to helping women with heart-shattered lives become whole again in Christ. Was this a place that you were in personally? You know what? It sure was. There was a place and a time when I thought that I could not change. And I think that there's always a place and time for all of us where we think we cannot change or our circumstances won't change. And that is a tough place to be. There was definitely a time in my life where I thought I was too far gone for God to be able to use me or fix me to be honest. And my heart was shattered. There was a time when pride and selfishness ruled the day. And I had made a really big mess in my life. And then about Fast forward 10 years later, I found myself in that exact same mess because I really hadn't dealt with the root cause of everything. And I really found myself in a place where I really needed to understand the love of God. And I don't know if it was at this time that I found this message, but it has become the tagline for my ministry and my life verse, if you will. But the message says uh, Psalm 51. 16 through 19 like this. And it says, going through the motions doesn't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart shattered lives ready for love. Don't for a moment escape God's notice. Mm, And that verse, isn't that beautiful? I love the way the message says it. That verse just encompassed what God started to do in me. My heart was shattered like so many people's are. And it's all different things. It doesn't have to be, in my case, it was sin, but it could just be loss or whatever happens in our lives. It doesn't have to be, it can be something that's done to us instead of what we have done ourselves. For me, it was absolutely, I had made my own mess and I had to find my way out of it. And that is where God came and just really loved me back into a place of being able to walk in victory over my sin and no longer be that girl who couldn't change. Well, tell us about this process of becoming whole again, because there is a woman listening, I'm sure that who undoubtedly feels shattered right now and needs to know how to discover the same wholeness that you have found. Like I said, there was that time, and I think it's true for all of us that we think we can't change or our circumstances won't change, but the God who never changes is infinitely capable of changing us. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, and we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of God are being changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. With God, 
our brokenness becomes our wholeness. He comes in and he changes us. When we get to that place after going through a healing time with him, where we can finally say, break my heart for what breaks yours. This is where we've come full circle, no longer broken by the things of this world, but really wholeheartedly broken for what breaks his. And that is such a beautiful process. And it doesn't happen overnight for sure. But this is where wholeness is victory. That transforming power of the Holy Spirit comes in and changes the things that we can't. He is the glue that puts us back together and stronger and really makes us completely new in and through the Holy Spirit in our lives. God does that for us through Jesus and through the Holy Spirit. And one thing that I always love to say and talk about is when I was in college, my mom gave me this verse, um, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, that says, you know, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past, but see, I am doing a new thing. I will make a way in the wilderness. And it goes on from there. But when God says he's going to do something new, he doesn't mean he's going to like reshape and remodel our brokenness and our shattered pieces, although he does pick those up and put them back together again, what he makes is completely wholly new. It's a new thing. When God does a new thing, it is truly something that has never been seen, never been done, because every single time that we go through a breakthrough with him, it is like a fresh miracle work of God revealing himself to us and for his glory so that the world can see it too. It's just a beautiful process. Yeah. You know, that is something that God has really been speaking to my heart on a lot lately is this process. You know, we are all still a work in progress really until he he calls us home one day. So walking in wholeness and living in victory are easier when you have someone walking by your side. So how have you seen people come alongside you to help you? Oh, gosh, girl, I could not have done it on my own. That is for sure and certain. And that work in progress, there's a big word that, you know, the Bible uses called sanctification. Mm -hmm. It's just a big word. And it sounds scary. And it sounds impossible. But it's just the ongoing work that God does in our hearts. He does the really hard heart work of coming in and changing us to look more like him, like you said, until we see him face to face one day. And we all need mentors and friends and mostly the Holy Spirit to help us walk in wholeness and live in victory, like I say. And I had people in my life that called me out on my bad behavior in the most loving way, for sure. But they did, they called me out in those things. And I also had people who called out in me what I didn't even know was in there yet because they believed in me and we need people in our lives to be able to see like God does and to speak life-giving words over us, to hear from him and to speak life over us. Psalm 139, 16, Psalm 139 is my, one of my favorite parts of the Bible. And there's a verse 16 says, you saw who you created me to be before I became me, before I'd ever seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. That's the uh, passion translation. And I love how he says, you saw who you created me to be before I became me. 
before we were ever here, God already knew all of our days. He knew the hard parts. He knew the, the storms. He knew the ugly things. He knew all the ugliness and he loves us still. He loves all of who we are because that's not what he's looking at. He is really looking at what I like to call future Amy or future, future Rachel, who, who he knows and who he created us to be. And when we can begin to get that process and that revelation true for us through other people speaking that life into us, we then become capable and ready to, to do the hard things that that sanctification requires. And you know, I said, I had people come alongside me and say, you know, this is where you can do better, Amy. This is, this seems like a little thing, but this little thing may turn into a big thing. And I always hate that word accountability because it sounds so harsh and hard. And, you know, there's that level of being really seen by somebody, but when you ask people into your lives and you have to be careful, you know, who that is, of course, but when you have close people who draw close to you and they are willing to be that person of accountability for you, accountability always addresses the sin in our lives, but what it does more so is it gives action to our desire to change. Because when we see it, when it's called out for what it is, we can then do something about it. We need people. Yeah. Yeah. And it just makes me think about like speaking truth and love. And as I'm looking at this question, it's like, we're still a work in progress. And that, that word work <laughs> keeps <laughs> it is standing out to me, like in bold, like circled, highlighted. It's like, it is work. And, and why do we think that it will be easy? It won't be. It's an ongoing process um, to live victoriously and courageously. And so I really want to hear what this kind of living has looked like for you personally. You know, when we talk about living victoriously or being courageous to go do those big things that God has asked us to do, like the hard work of changing our hearts and things like that, what that has meant for me is to do it scared to speak out and step up, even when my knees were knocking and my voice was still really, really shaky to celebrate those small little victories, because over time they become the really big things that God wants to do in our lives. So when we celebrate all the small little victories, they ultimately become this one big, huge, beautiful thing that God does in our lives for others to see. My friend Latan Murphy says, courage goes anyway. And I love that so much because courage leads us to victory. When we are brave enough, when we, we grab onto that courage that we can have in Christ, because he in us will do big things, we will get to the victory that is ours and it is ahead of us. We have absolutely everything we need living inside of us through the Holy Spirit as believers. We have everything living inside of us to go do those big things that he calls us to do. It's not in our strength, like you said a minute ago at all, but in his and Ze Zechariah 4, 6 tells us, uh, he says, you can't force these things. They only come about through my spirit, says God 
of the angel armies. So Big Mountain, who do you think you are? Next is Zerubbabel, you're, you're nothing but a molehill. He'll proceed to set the cornerstone in place, accompanied by cheers of yes, yes, do it. His hands will finish what we have begun. He always brings about the full goodness of what he starts in us. And if we can learn to live in a place where we rely on his strength and not ours, and we surrender our will to his and say, yes, I will take these small things. I will do these things that you have called me to do because I know and believe that you will finish it and you will make it so, so good. Recently, we moved from the mountains of Colorado and I changed my bio recently that says we moved from, you know, my beloved mountains of Colorado to play on the plains of Oklahoma. And God has really been speaking to me in this. And when you talk about that mountain, that is a molehill or a mountain that is going to be leveled into a plain, that is what God does. He takes that big obstacle in front of us. And he says, I have everything you need. I have the resources to not only begin it, but to see it through to completion, to finish the work that I've started. And it's he who finishes it. Philippians 1, 6 tells us he's the one who finishes it. He's the one who does the good thing in us. So what feels unfinished will be done in his time. And what feels slow and small is really part of those greater things that Jesus said that we would do. So that's what living victoriously looks like for me. There is that combination, that one-two punch of the courage and the victory that we can go to battle with. You know, it's so interesting and I, I just love God's timing. So this morning in my quiet time, I was reading in Joshua 12. And so this is what I wrote in my journal and it was actually just sitting in front of me, which normally it wouldn't have been. So I love the way that God works, but this is what my commentary said. It says, God knows the future and he leads you and he already knows about the victories that lie ahead. But just as the Israelites had to go to battle and fight, we must still face the trials and fight the battles of our unconquered land. And this was talking about like before they reached the promised land, they still had wow. to fight. They still had to fight. There was like 31 different battles that they had to face, but that God, he knew that they were, Joshua knew they would be victorious, but he still had to go and fight. And so that's what, it just seems so fitting for today's uh, conversation. And actually you have written a book titled Becoming a Victory Girl, Staking Your Claim in the Kingdom. And in it, you share four victorious how-tos. And the first, so we're going to go into each of them, but the first is to suit up for battle, get your brave on and walk in confidence as a warrior of victory. So I'd love for you just to elaborate on this first how-to. The first how-to of becoming a victory girl talks, it comes from Proverbs 24, five and six, where the word says, wisdom can make anyone a mighty warrior and revelation knowledge increases strength. Wise strategy is necessary to wage war. And with any, many, excuse me, astute advisors, you'll see the path to victory more clearly 
Proverbs 24, five to six, that's in the Passion Translation too. And that just goes right along with what you just said. God is so good to just weave our conversation together. I'm loving that. And really what it means to be a warrior of victory is like what you said, to know that there is victory ahead of us. And in that chapter, I talk about, you know, our faith over our feelings that we cannot rely on our feelings because they are not reliable. <laughs> I mean, it's that simple. It is that finish that, uh, that simple. And what he does in us is so beautiful because he does rise up that faith in us to go ahead and go through those battles and to face the, the hard things to get to the victory. But it's so important that as a warrior of victory and what it means is that we suit up, we do the things in Ephesians 6 that tell us to put the full armor of God on. But also, you know, you've heard knowledge is power. And that is so true when it comes to the walk of a believer, because the wisdom of God, that knowledge, that revelation knowledge that we just talked about from that scripture in Proverbs that revelation knowledge is our power. It's the wisdom of God that makes us a warrior of victory. So what, how do we get that? We have to go to the word. We have to be in the word. We have to be women of the word and in the word who are loving God's word more than we love the cliches of the day or the self-help models of the day that don't always see us through, you know, they're good. They lift our spirits. They do all those things, but what's really going to give us strength and cause us to be a warrior of victory is God's word. And we find that all throughout scripture, but really, if you go into Deuteronomy 20, there is this whole victorious warfare rules for warfare that God has given to uh, Moses back then. And it's amazing how God taught him to successfully wage war using his faith to trump his emotions because he was a feisty kind of guy. I mean, you know, he threw the, the tablets down and he got angry and he, you know, he did. He was not the perfect person that we think we have to be to walk this life or to see victory. No, we are not going to do things perfectly when we use our faith to trump the emotions and uh, ultimately be able to experience victory. God did that for Moses and he will do it for us as well is what I guess I'm trying to say there. And it's the wisdom that he gives us that enables us to march forward and take care of business. In those rules of engagement or rules of war, he tells, there's a whole list of them and it's beautiful. It's uh, so much fun. I love studying, you know, that part of the Bible, the Old Testament is amazing to me just as much as the New Testament. Some people only like to hang out in the New Testament, but I love the Old Testament because I'm yeah, kind of a word, word geek. Yeah, <laughs> um, but there is, when we have unfinished business in our lives, it's going to distract us. So we need to make sure that before we're going into a battle, that we finish what we've started, that we've taken care of the things that need our attention because battle takes our full attention any kind of unresolved fear or feelings of intimidation are both really very easily seen by the enemy I talk about in the book. 
they're also super highly contagious to the people around us. So if we can put on the full armor, and I was talking about Deuteronomy 21 through four, it says, don't waver and resolve, don't fear, don't hesitate, don't panic. God, your God is right there with you, fighting with you against the enemies fighting to win, fighting for victory. That's the message. Um, I added that fighting for to victory at the end, but that's the way the message says it. So if we can just take that right there, that one verse talks about don't waver in resolve. Resolve just means knowing what you're going to do before you're faced with the temptation or the, the thing that's coming against you. Know what your response is going to be. Don't fear. How many times does God tell us not to fear in the Bible? I mean, I think somebody, I think I've heard it's like 365, which correlates to one for every day, but don't fear. Don't hesitate. Don't panic. When we hesitate and panic, that allows the enemy a chance to get in there and get in under our skin or into our minds and start feeding us the, the lies that we don't want to believe. So if we can do that very first thing, don't waver in resolve, know what our response is going to be, prepare ahead of time so that we know how to go about it. And that's what it means. The warrior of victory means knowing what you're going to do because you've spent time in his word with him. I mean, the second how to victorious, how to is to pray. And you are adamant about praying with power, authority, and accuracy, hitting the mark every time by mastering what you call the art of the aim. So would you tell us more about this step? Gosh, the art of the aim is a, thing that God just really showed me that our prayers are really powerful. We don't even know how powerful they really are. But what God showed me was this, this picture of a quiver of arrows that we have, and there are prayers. And when we pull them out and we pull back the, the, the bow to shoot them out into the heavenlies, into the enemy's camp, that they will rise up above our circumstances and come right down. If you can see that in your mind, right down into the enemy's camp, striking him in the place that stops the attack, that stops the consequences that stops the the full-on attack from the enemy but when we can aim our prayers with accuracy and how do we do that we do that by using the word of god like i was just talking about that we will see victory and we will see success in our prayer life not always getting the answer that we want i don't that's not what i'm talking about here and i'm not talking about prosperity gospel or, you know, name it and claim it, but aiming with accuracy means that we are using God's word. When we pray God's word, we know that it's his will and we can know that he's going to hear those and answer those prayers because they're, they're his word. His word does not return void. His word stands forever. You know, we know those things to be true. So if we can aim with accuracy and then stand in our full authority as daughters of the king, as heirs of Christ, 
then we can take our stand and really know our authority. I think when I first came into ministry and women's ministry, I didn't really feel like I had any business being there. Like I wasn't good enough or I wasn't going to do it right. Or that I really didn't have the authority to, for whatever reason, there was a million reasons um, years and years ago. And I never really in my first ministry job walked in the full authority of what I had. And in looking back, I think, oh, I wish I had known what I know now. And it was just part of the process, of course. I wish I'd known what I know now, that I had known my identity and how I could stand in the authority of who God says that I am, because then I would have had more impact. So we aim with accuracy. We stand in our full authority. And that third thing is that we rely on the Holy Spirit for our acumen. And acumen is A-C-U-M-E-N. It's a word that I did not know when I first started doing the study uh, to, for that book. And acumen is just a word that means the ability to make good judgments and quick decisions typically in a particular domain or place. And it's a perfect description of what we call in the spiritual realm, discernment. Acumen is discernment. So if we can rely on the Holy Spirit for our acumen, I was doing the A's, the aiming for uh, accuracy, walking in our authority, standing in our authority and relying on the Holy Spirit acumen, then we are able to live out our lives and to pray in a way that will bring change. Well, so let's move into the third how-to, which is where you encourage readers to stake, claim, and keep the territory that you have conquered. So how do we do this practically? Staking our claim in the kingdom. <laughs> this whole book, Becoming a Victoria Girl, came in a time when I had just been through a really hard season, my sister almost died and we were in the hospital with her for weeks upon weeks. And this was back in 2016, so not a current thing. Um, and at that time, she had been healed miraculously. She had a rare blood disorder and she had come through it after being in ICU for weeks. We had everybody in the world praying for her, it seemed like. And we literally did have people all around the world. But I was flying home that last time after she had was on the other side of this really hard battle. And I'm looking out the, the airplane window and I see these little plots of land. And God began to speak to me a word take the land. And I was like, what in the world does that mean, God? I saw the picture of the little pieces of very well marked out with boundaries of the little squares of land all over Colorado. And he began to just say, take the land. And I thought, God, what does that mean? What does that mean? And as I began to press into him, I realized that when we don't understand what is at stake, when we don't act or we don't decide to live our lives out for God out loud as believers, as believers, that we will miss out on the whole territory that he wants to give us. And if you can think of 
your territory be literally a piece of land, a literal piece of uh, place in this world, we can take ownership of that through his revelation knowledge again and begin to find out how we can stake that claim. We can stake our claim by planning with him, getting with him. And one of the things I say is the best and most strategic planning for our spiritual battle can be found only in God's word. And I came to a place where I realized that my destiny, my inheritance, my land, everything was at stake. And I needed to come up with a plan. And that plan means that we have to decide, are we even going to go to war? Are we willing to fight? That's a big question. You know, we don't always know if we are ready to fight or if we are going to, but when I think part of that is hard because we don't think we're going to win. We feel defeated, but when we really can come to that place, like I talked a bit about a moment ago, that we know that victory is ahead. I write in the book, victory girls fundamentally believe in victory. Psalm 1839 says, you have clothed me, clothed me with strength for the battle. He has given us what we need to fight our battles he has shown us a place, or he will show you if you ask him where your place of influence is, where he wants you to go stake out what is yours. And really, ultimately, I didn't even write about this in the book, but it's just coming to me. Ultimately, what is his? What is the Lord's? And go out there and stake our claim, make our mark, and really have an impact in the places that he has given us influence because every single one of us, whether we're changing diapers or we are on stage or we are doing our really good job at, in the, in the corporate world, whatever place he has us, there's a, there's territory attached to that. And if we will believe that there's victory there and we will say, Hey, God, how can I influence the world for you? How can I bring you glory through whatever it is that you've called me to do? He's going to show you. And I call us claim stakers. And I say, you know, put your foot down, kick the enemy off your turf, be vigilant and make no mistake. You are a daughter of the King. And he knows it. He knows that God has your back in these places and that he is fighting for you when we are still afraid to take that first step onto our territory. Uh, I'm, I'm so thankful that we are on his team. Yes. <laughs> lastly, you encourage readers to bask in the bounty of the battle as you take back what the enemy has stolen. So would you expand on this thought? Yes, I will. This was a lesson that I even learned more about as after I had written this part of the book, I looked back over my life and realized that there was a certain time in my life when I talked about at the very beginning of the, the show about when I had made this big old mess and my mess involved my marriage. And I can remember realizing that had I not cleaned up my mess at that time, that my man might have never 
come to know the Lord because he was not, he hadn't, he didn't know the Lord when that was going on. I prayed for him for 13 years, the first 13 years of our marriage. And he finally came to know the Lord. And what I realized, we're talking about the bounty on the battlefield. I could have left if I had not gone through and fought that battle and, and, and won, I could have left a huge piece of bounty that I didn't even realize was on the battle because when that happened, he didn't know the Lord. He, it was still something I was praying for. It was something that hadn't been realized yet. And in looking back, I was like, whoa, people are the bounty on the battlefield. It's really all about God's love for people. And are we willing to go out and fight our battles because it will speak life into somebody else's life, or it will make a way for someone else who hasn't had that way for them? Or in my case, will it be the key to their one day receiving Jesus as their personal savior? Whoa, wow. that was heavy. Yeah. No, it's so good because it isn't, the battle is not just about us. There's there's a greater battle that we're waging and it affects so many more people. That is so good and so true. Um, you know, by becoming a victory girl, you believe that we will become more confident and so many of us, including myself, lack confidence. So why do you think that so many of us struggle in this area? You know what? I think it's because we constantly are bombarded with messages of, you know, at the same time that we're getting all these messages that you can be anything, you can do anything, you are amazing, and all the, the good stuff, we're also being bombarded by our own inner narrative that comes from the outside world, but also, you know, our history and things that have been um, done to us as things we've experienced, loss that we've gone through. And so when I think that we feel defeated because we are listening to the wrong voice and the voice of the world that's saying all those good things and, Hey, you can do anything is not enough. We really need to tune our ears into what God is saying over our lives. And the way that we do that is once again, being in his word and really tuning our ear to hear what he says about us. And one of the things that I write about in my book is I say that the weapons that once wounded become the kindling that sets our heart ablaze. There's a verse in Psalm 76 that said, God is well known in the land. He is famous making his home, living here on Mount Zion. That's where he smashes every weapon of war that comes against him. That's where he uses the broken arrows as kindling for his mighty bonfire. That's Psalm 76, one through three, again, in the Passion Translation. And what happens is that we have all these things that have happened to us and there's all these things that have wounded us and they can either be for our demise or we can allow God to take those things and really I had again in the book I talk about this vision that I had of all this stuff on the battlefield we were just talking about the bounty on the battlefield 
and having God go gather all that up and put it into this huge bonfire and setting it ablaze. And what he does in our hearts is he takes all that stuff that we've been defeated by. And he, if we will let him, he will take it away. He will remove it. He will heal it. And he will set us on fire for him. Mm. Oh, I love that imagery. You've had such good imagery and pictures. I mean, I can just picture everything that you're saying. And, you know, we, we, we talked at the very beginning, we talked about being a victory girl is going to be hard work. <laughs> so how would you encourage the, the women listening to persevere and stand strong, even when it's hard, because it's going to get hard. It may be hard right now. It is. And, you know, when it's the hardest, I think that it is when we are in the, that moment before our breakthrough really comes. And how would I encourage women? I would encourage you to know that God is on your side. He is for you. He loves you so much more. Or if you are battling out as I have done for my prodigal, I have to remember that he loves my kid so much more than I do and that he's going to do the work in time and his way. And I have to lay it down and to encourage you knowing that God is for you. He wants his best for you. And when we are coming to him and saying, God, I'm at the end of me, he's like, that's exactly where I wanted you to be. I want to pick up where there's no more left of you. I want to pick it up and fill you to overflowing with me. You know, I, I have to read this because I'm looking at my notes from my journal again. And in Joshua 11, it was talking about just it, going back to this process and, and slow progress sometimes that we have to deal with. And it says, we often expect quick changes and quick victories over our sin. Our journey with God is a lifelong process. However, the changes and victories may take time. It's easy to grow impatient with God and feel like giving up hope because things are moving too slowly. When we are close to a situation, it's difficult to see the progress. But when we look back, we can see that God never stopped working. And I think that that is just, um, I don't know, so applicable to our conversation today, because so many of the things that we read in the Bible, even Joshua's story, it was like, you know, you could read it all in one sitting, but really it actually took seven years for him to conquer all these battles and have all this bounty on the field and, and get, and of course, obviously, you, you know, you mentioned Moses and then the, the Israelites were in the, the, desert for 40 years before they reached the promised land, but we can read it really quickly and like, well, God just made that happen. And so why are things not happening more quickly? Why am I not seeing the victory in my own life? But I just want to encourage every woman listening just to stay, stay the course. And so I'd love just to hear from you, you know, let's kind of try to frame this around the love offering based on today's conversation. How do you think we can best be love offerings? Maybe to to live victoriously or to encourage someone else to live victoriously? How would you suggest that we do that? You know what? I think that when I ask God, what, what does that mean to be the best love offering and what he put on my heart for today was to be the person that we needed in 
that moment, Mm, be the person that we needed to the other people. And that seems, you know, you see that on cute memes and stuff, but when we really put that into action, when we really love, like he loves or love, like we needed to be loved at our worst place, at our place of most brokenness or our most defeated days, then we are loving well. And that is a love offering that we can place at God's feet and, and say, this is what I want to offer you today. This is what I want to give to you and to others. This, this is my love offering. That's so good because that goes back to what you were saying at the very beginning about people, how important the people are in our lives to walk alongside us. And so be, be that person that you needed. I I love that answer so much. And so Amy Elaine, I want to stay in contact with you. I'm sure listeners are going to want to you. I want to tell them that you have some great resources on your website. You have a purpose-filled challenge, which is a 30 days in the Psalm 139. And of course you can purchase your books, but I'll I'll let you tell us how we can uh, stay in contact with you and get these resources. Well, I am at amyelaine.com. That's A-M-Y-E-L-A-I-N-E.com. And then Instagram is one of my favorite places to be. And I'm over there on Amy Elaine Wright. Uh, I have just loved today's conversation. I told you before we started um, just some personal things going on in my life. I, I kind of have felt defeated, honestly, today. And so you have already helped me to kind of reframe that and reframe my mindset and given me some practical ways to um, become a victory girl. So thank you so much uh, just personally. And I, I pray this message um, helps everyone that listens to live in victory and courageously as well. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode with Amy Elaine Martinez. We hope that if you are feeling defeated today and no matter what battle you are going through, that you will realize that you are already victorious in Christ. This week, our love offering is to be the person that you needed. Love like you needed to be loved. If you are interested in show notes, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams Author on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. I would love to connect with you there. I'd also love to connect with you over on the Love Offering Facebook community. There each week, we just dive in deeper into each podcast episode, into the blog series, and we encourage one another to live faithfully and love fully. If you have not yet subscribed, rated, and reviewed the Love Offering podcast, I would so appreciate if you would take the time to do that just so more women can find this Love Offering message. All of this information can be found at rachelkadams.com. There you can subscribe to receive my weekly love offering newsletter. And all of this information can be sent straight to your inbox. Next week, my guest is Bob Lapine. Bob is the author of Love Like You Mean It, The Heart of Marriage That Honors God, where he walks through with us 1 Corinthians 13, verse by verse. I can't wait for you to tune in again then, but until then, I hope you have a terrific week. And as always, remember to lead with love.